0: Welcome to Brain Milk Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre, and I'm Adrian Pope. And some housekeeping notes: uh, My book, uh, "Satire in the Trump Years: The Best of the Halfway Post," is out. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can get it in ebook and print book. Uh, if you want to support Halfway Post and all my comedy and all my jokes that I uh, put on Twitter every day, uh, or this podcast, Brain Milk, uh, feel free to get a copy. Uh, I think it's very, very funny. I filled every page just about to the very end that I could uh, fit typographically in with jokes. Uh, I put as much comedy as I could think up. It's very good, and it makes a great uh, coffee table book. The cover is very sensationalist with a bunch of funny headlines, things like Everybody Hates Ted Cruz things like that. Uh, it's a very good conversation starter. So go ahead and get that book if you want to support us and you want to uh, really laugh at all of the before Trump years worth of bullshit. I highly recommend it. Uh, you got any housekeeping notes, Adrian? No, I think we should get into it. And uh... All right. I guess the the first news is actually that the Trump organization uh, just got alerted that it's in a criminal investigation now from the state of New York (laughs) and the Manhattan District Attorneys. Uh, It's no longer a civil investigation. It's criminal. Um, I guess the best news possible for 2024 aspirants to the White House, Ted Cruz, Josh uh, Hawley, Nikki Haley, people like that. How happy do you think they are? Do you think they're singing hallelujah (laughs) at the idea that Trump would be arrested and imprisoned before 2024? Well, that would be the best case scenario for them, obviously, for Trump to be out of the picture and the voters still uh, unified behind, <laughs> I guess, what you call the Republican Party. Although it could be the yeah. Q Anonymous Party, I think. Like yeah. I love that when people swap out GOP with QOP. I think that's really what it is right now. Or G- I think it's GQP, right? Oh yeah, GQP, the yeah. Grand uh, Q Party. Q Party, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then they do a Kevin McCarthy with a Q at the end or the beginning rather. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's another crowd favorite, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, so um, how soon do you think Republicans will throw Trump under the bus if he gets arrested and or imprisoned? I mean, granted, no, I there's think... going to be a lot of legal hurdles, and I'm sure Trump's got you know endless money for his lawyers to keep him out of jail. <laughs> no, I think it'll but... be. I, I think it'll be an amazing spectacle of like those circus performers who contort their bodies because they're going to have to be the party of law and order. But the FBI is corrupt and any investigator <laughs> yeah. looking into Trump is correct. Uh, sorry, corrupt and part of the deep state. Uh, but then they're also going to be, you know, wanting to join the federal government and, the, you know, lead the bureaucracy, which is also <laughs> a corrupt deep yeah, right. state. The government is totally corrupt and unsalvageable, but I want to lead it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and (laughs) that's so true, and yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, so now we'll get into the bullshit uh, bipartisanship. Um, To kind of preface this, the media, of course, is asking their dumb questions of, can Biden make a deal with Republicans, and why won't Biden make a deal with the Republicans? And my response is just, fuck that. Like, for the last 12 years, all Republicans have cared about is, uh, like, the puric fight on anything, no matter how remotely uh, responsible or mundane uh, the policy or plan in question is. Um, I think, you know, McConnell just said that, uh, you know, after eight years of saying Obama should be a one term president, even well into his (laughs) second term. Now McConnell's saying is 100 percent of his focus is geared toward uh, stopping Joe Biden's radical agenda. (laughs) Uh, So what do you think? Does Joe Biden get all the blame for not making a deal or can we just, you know you know, admit that Republicans are bullshit liars who negotiate and debate in bad faith and don't want to give uh, Democrats any leverage or any victories whatsoever? Well, the first thing I think is, uh, you know, for four years, they said, fuck your feelings. So now it's like the "fuck yeah, your right. feelings crowd is upset that they don't get a play after, right. you know, spending four years saying elections have consequences. So, uh, you know, I I, I was just a political scientist in undergrad, but it seems to me that one party is held to a different standard than the other, especially by that other party. Right. Uh, for example, you know, deficits only matter when a Democrat's president. Um, <laughs> bipartisanship is only a thing that matters when the Republicans are in the minority. So, yeah, I think it is a bunch of bullshit, and right. especially coming from someone like Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell, who, like, should know firsthand the cynicism and the epic proportional... Uh, bullshit that they've uh, levied on the American people. Right. And, our and one th- one thing I like is that people, especially Republicans, like to point out, well, you know, when Republicans are in power, they're Democrats who vote for Republican plans, but not the reverse. And it's like. Fuck you. That's exactly what we're talking about, because when Republicans are in power, some Democrats will compromise and accept the short end of the stick. Whereas in the reverse, Republicans never do that. So it's like that's actually proof of the opposite of what people who say that are suggesting. Democrats are the ones who are rational and say, well, we have to negotiate. We're in the minority. We have to accept a perfect example of that. So the yeah, perfect example it. of that during the Trump years was when Trump would hear something or something would happen in the country and Trump would actually say, oh, we should do something about that. Like, for example, gun control. And, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were 100 percent on board with doing a compromise. But right. then Trump had to, you know, the, be told by his Republican you know, Party people, hey, that's not our stance. We're not going to do that. So, you know, the idea that Democrats aren't willing to negotiate or compromise is, you know, false they were even the whole time all trump was president but you know i don't see kevin mccarthy you know what did he do the second he left the white house meeting he basically called uh biden like a crazy far left socialist who's (laughs) running our government so let's talk about that meeting real quick because i think that is wild i would have liked to be a fly on the wall there because like what what value do you even get McCarthy won't even admit that Biden won the election fair and square and there wasn't fraud and there wasn't, you know, like Biden did not, Democrats did not cheat the election to install a president who didn't win the popular vote and all the votes that they allegedly won by are fake. So it's like, how can you negotiate with someone who refuses to admit all that stuff that you're like the president, you know? So like, and then... Well, more yeah. importantly, anything you did try to negotiate, if you left the White House with a proposal, your own party would throw you under the bus like John Boehner. Like <laughs> yeah, John yeah. Boehner, yeah, re- reading books about that era with John Boehner and, and Obama, like hearing that John Boehner had to go hide and sneak his way into the back, you know, back doors of the White House to avoid being seen by the press because he'd be raked over the coals by his own party. Like, talk about a profile in courage and bipartisanship, yeah. right? Uh, I think Boehner also said at some point that some Republican had pulled a knife to his throat and that some of the reasons why he didn't bring the reason he didn't bring the immigration plan, which, again, originally was a bipartisan compromise with the gang of eight that included four Democrats and four Republicans that ultimately all the Republicans voted against. But Boehner said that uh, if he had brought it to a vote, uh, uh, brought it to the floor for a vote, it would have passed, granted, with more Democratic votes than Republicans. But he was afraid that he would literally be murdered. (laughs) Like he literally said that that they would literally kill him, which you know, knowing these Republican lunatics, uh, maybe (laughs) you never know. You know, would uh, yeah. Plus, I mean, the way some of the QAnon people who won in this most recent election, thinking of like Marjorie Taylor Mm -hmm. Greene, like these people aren't policy people. Marjorie Taylor Greene spends her time like, hiding behind the door of AOC's office just yelling shit at her. Like, that's not a serious legislator. You know what I mean? That's like a crazy person on a bus screaming shit at other people who just want to go home. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And this is something I think about because with the bullshit bipartisanship, you know, with the... uh the uh, COVID um, stimulus plan, right? Biden says, you know, we have a $1.9 trillion plan. I think the original democratic plan was like 2.3 trillion, somewhere over like a little over 2 trillion or whatever. So Biden says 1.9, he invites like, I think 10 Republicans to come over and led by Mitt Romney, I believe they have a $600 billion stimulus plan in competition. So it's 1.9 and they say, hey, best we can do is 600 billion. So one is like not really understanding or appreciating the magnitude of the problem of like COVID and you know getting the economy back and taking mm-hmm. care of all these workers who have been on unemployment or not making any money, all of the employers who aren't making money. You know, it's the kind of thing that, like, regardless of whether or not, you know, you think, uh, like, you're a conservative or Democrat, like, if we're actually shutting down the economy and making mass mandates and stopping people from being in full capacity, like, the government just, no matter how libertarian you are, for a public health standpoint, if you have to shut stuff down, the government just has to kind of fill in that gap to not make everyone's lives miserable, right? Kind of a... It's like a health crisis or once in a 100 year crisis, you know, with like a giant pandemic. But I always wondered, like, let's say, Repu- let's say D- uh, Joe Biden said, all right, fine, I will take your 600 billion dollar stimulus plan. Do you think any Republicans would have ultimately voted for that and had a bipartisan shit, uh, bipartisan, giant deal of 600 billion dollars added to the debt? Or do you think I well, these- wouldn't have gotten 10? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They might have think, gotten a couple. Do you think but... Mitt Romney would have ultimately voted for it? Or yeah. they would have said, well, there's socialism stuff, blah, 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 radical agenda. You know, I, I just find it hard to believe that I, I think immediately they would say we can't give Biden a victory so quick, so easily. You know, it's like, would they have any votes? For And that's I think that's the big thing about the bullshit bipartisanship. Because how many times do Democrats have to compromise with Republicans, water down their plan, and then have it on a party line vote at the end anyway, where no Republican votes after they've been watering it down, right? Well, the important thing, too, is that Republicans are just trying to wait up the clock. Like, there's a finite amount of stuff you can do in a congressional work week, uh, which is often not like the full work week. Cause right. Because they have to fly home to their districts and stuff to campaign and, and fundraise. So, really, this whole art of bipartisanship is waiting at the clock and doing things so that oh suddenly it's three months later and the <laughs> democrats yeah. have lost you know right. uh what, what would that time. be like a yeah a 12th of their time in office you right. know trying to neg- negotiate with the republicans yeah that's a good point and then of course we always come back to the filibuster um i hate the filibuster i think it's stupid and right now it seems like the uh, congressional Um, decision to get around the filibuster is to kind of bastardize the reconciliation rules. And they just had, they they talked to the, uh, what is it, the, not the historian of the Congress. The parliamentarian? uh, Parliamentarian, yeah. So they they can now do more reconciliation bills than previously. I I guess it's a new interpretation of the rules or whatever that helped Democrats a little bit. I think it's stupid. We've talked about it in the past before that you're just because you don't want to get around the filibuster, which has been bastardized and distorted by Republicans. You're just going to bastardize and distort a new rule of reconciliation, like that process to get things through uh, on a purely majority, like 51 vote, uh, you know, status. I think that's stupid. Um, and I want to say, a lot well, of people... I'll push back on that for a second. Yeah, for Think about it this way: Would you be in favor of getting rid of the filibuster if you know in two years' time we won't have passed HR one, HR four, which are the voting rights bills, been unable to make DC or Puerto Rico a state, like? I mean, is there any doubt that the Republicans in, you know, four years from now, six years from now, if they need to, they won't break the filibuster and that Mitch McConnell will go on like TV and say, well, Democrats talked about it four years ago, so they've already ruined it. So we're just going to go do it. And it's totally fair. And what well, are you, know, you that's are, are you that. arguing against getting rid of the filibuster? Because that seems like a good argument to just kill it now and just, you know, not let Republicans do it in the future. Yeah. But I mean, Democrats can't do that. So, I mean, let's say uh you know they refuse to make dc a state or do any of the voting reforms why kill the filibuster if you're not going to be able to actually do anything right so if they kill the filibuster but and if, you joe manchin the, keeps, if you kill the filibuster though and then you do do they that. still need joe manchin though so if joe well, manchin's gonna true. say i don't think dc should be a state and i don't really agree with hr1 and i'm gonna do this <laughs> <Yeah>. bastardized version <laughs> right. with you know susan collins that you know kind of reflects the 1965 yeah. acts but which I would guess. be an improvement and important but the fact of the matter is if why would Democrat? I mean, it would be like shooting yourself in the foot because Democrats would break the filibuster for the Republicans and not actually have anything to say for it at the end of two yeah, years or four years. I guess or whatever. I'm saying like uh, I guess from my standpoint, it would be like if you can get Joe Manchin in line. Granted, they they they're kind of making statements to hedge it, saying we like the filibuster. They're kind of leaving room if like Republicans don't deal or whatever. Joe Manchin is, I mean. I think the Pod Save America guys always joke that it's like Prime Minister (laughs) Joe (laughs) Manchin because now he's like, he's like completely in control of Congress because it all depends whether or not Democrats can convince him to do something. But I mean, like, it's so dumb because if you don't, if you don't pass uh, HR and SR1, um, like, and do the voting rights reform, Democrats are just locked out of the House for like six years before demographics, like, get around the gerrymanders that they'll inevitably do. Uh, you're wow, gonna start... we don't even know about that, right? Like, how are you going to un North Carolina? I yeah, don't know if the demographics true. are changing so quickly right. but in six years. But it's, you know, like, it's were... so dumb. Why are Democrats not learning the lesson? In 2010, they did the redistricting game and literally had the House until 2016 because of all these gerrymanders. And it took six years for the dem- natural demographics to get around that. But, like, why are we doing that again? Like, all of these uh, swing states, Republicans got that 2010 majority in, like, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Ohio. They gerrymandered the shit out of them. And, like, states that are basically 50-50 purple states have, like, something like, you know, like, six Democrats for 13 Republicans. And it's like, why do you want to do that again? You have, (laughs) like, what is, is Joe Manchin a Democrat? Does he not want Democrats to have power? Because if they don't do this HRSR1, uh, well, there's an literally asymmetric, not have power. There's an asymmetric set of goals between Joe Manchin and the Republicans. Because Joe Manchin looked at January 6th and says, we need to come together as a Senate. And if we can't work together, then the whole thing's screwed anyway. Republicans, uh, I don't know if Joe Manchin has noticed this or not, have come away from January 6th saying, nothing to see here. It was just a yeah, normal right. day at the office. Yeah. Like, I don't remember seeing any violence. Right. And they're just ignoring it. Um I mean, so, yeah, I mean, there's a huge asymmetry in what people's goals are. Right. Uh, Here's an idea. Al Franken said this uh, on his podcast. He's been mentioning this a lot. And a lot of people have brought it up, the idea that you would reform the filibuster. So instead of needing 60 votes to get around it, uh, you need like 40 or 41 senators on the floor debating. And uh, Al... Al Franken had a good point that if you force Republicans to actually have to just waste all the time and be on the floor and be on TV ranting about bullshit, which, you know, you could reform the rules that it has to be germane to the actual conversation or the bill or whatever. But mm-hmm. Al Franken had a good point that Ted Cruz ranting for days at a time is really not going to be good for Republicans. <laughs> you know? Well, also, it'd be a great way to sink his own uh, presidential run. <laughs> right. Yeah. Years. Just, oh, oh. I mean, he would he would do it from the standpoint of look at me, brave and courageous talking for just hours and hours because I'm such a strict constitutionalist or what you know whatever rationale he has about why, well, be pe- per- why people should not be allowed to vote easily. Well, I'm for that just so when he runs for president again, inevitably, you can just play 30 second, you know, uh, ads against him, just him <laughs> ranting about yeah, bullshit on the right. <laughs> the Senate floor. <laughs> right. Um, and so then um Let's see. The next big thing, the big legislative push is going to be infrastructure. A lot of people think Biden will do that next. It's kind of, you know, everyone admits that we need infrastructure, including a bunch of like Republican senators who have big projects in their states. They need, you know, because bridges, roads, highways, they're all getting a little defunct and obsolete and, you know, cracking, (laughs) like literally crumbling apart right now. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, again, we're going to get back to the point where, you know, Democrats will do all these compromises for Republicans. At the end, no Republicans or virtually no Republicans will vote for it. And then they'll go back to their states to go highlight all the projects and the reconstruction or the uh, uh uh, infrastructure building. Yeah, you, you know, saw that with take... the CARES Act. You had right. Republicans immediately putting out emails to voters, constituents, fund uh, donors, etc., saying help is on the way, even though they had just voted against it. Right, and it's interesting because all this time Republicans are trying to do this stuff. They know we need it, but they don't want to give, especially they don't want to give Biden a victory. And obviously, if you know, if Republicans come together and have, I don't know if there's a compromise or whatnot. But if it gets any Republican votes, you know, it's kind of awkward because now you're really legitimizing Biden's presidency, which a lot of Republicans don't really want to do to like placate all of Trump's most, uh, I don't know, militaristic, <laughs> militantly ignorant and angry uh, voters, you know, because like if like, let's say Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy come to an agreement with Democrats and Joe Biden gets this big push, like that's obviously bad for a lot of the, you know, the things they're dancing around. You know, not trying to, like, dissuade any of their voters from believing that Joe Biden was fraudulently elected. Yeah, well, that was one of the things about the uh, the last Recovery Act during the Great Recession during Obama's years. is like, you know, people made the comment that Democrats are shit at uh, advertising what they're doing. So you had all these people complaining about government, but not realizing that the signs... Uh, you know, surrounding every fixed bridge and, you know, road was actually the Recovery Act that they hated or said they hated. So, I mean, if anything, Republicans should just let Biden do it. Let the Democrats fail to show the people that they did it and just take the credit for it. Um, which is really funny, too, because if you think you're going to run for president in 2024, uh, wouldn't you rather be president of a country that just beefed up its infrastructure and isn't struggling to come out of a, you know, COVID related or possibly, you know, self-made recession just because, you know, with these reconciliation bills, you're, you're talking about Congress doing three things a year, three bills a year. Three big important bills a year and that's it. That's pretty sad, right? So right. I would think if you know, if I was gonna run against Biden who you say is a thousand years old and is corrupt, et cetera, like Well, like, if you're gonna run for president, wouldn't you rather have a strong economy? Like, who wants to be, like, I don't know who would want to be like Obama, you know? I mean, yeah, that sucked during the campaign. You know, these campaigns are two years long. So, you know, the recession happened in the middle of people starting their campaigns. But like, yeah, that probably wasn't fun for Obama to come into. (laughs) Yeah, I have to spend all of his time basically just cleaning up the messes, you know, whether it's torture, Iraq and Afghanistan, the plunging, free falling economy. Well, plus, Uh, I don't see the political logic because we already see these wedge issues coming up with these cultural issues like cancel culture, etc. So, like, why don't Republicans—I mean, they're not going to be running in 2022— against the cares act right so why don't they just do infrastructure because it's good for the the, country and then keep complaining about dr seuss but the problem is the primary they realize that if they do anything they're just gonna you know uh you know rob portman is in total line and lockstep with joe biden and the socialist democrats you know they're just going to be primaried from the right for giving any inches to democrats at all Well, I think the funny thing is, and Republicans aren't doing this, to my knowledge, is that like they could just make up shit about Trump, like say, oh, Trump tried to do infrastructure. Uh, We just helped him out and then just ignore Biden completely. Say this was Trump's goal. We finally got it done. (laughs) You know, I mean, you're talking to (laughs) when they go to these town halls, they're literally talking to QAnon people. They don't fucking know what's going on. (laughs) You know, you could lie. I mean, they already lie and say Biden's a, you know, far left socialist and communist and, you know corrupt pedophile i mean you hear all kinds of dumb shit so like i don't think telling the truth is really a premium of republican uh messaging right now yeah that's interesting especially because like just in general i mean republicans like clinging to trump they're kind of just forsaking the independent vote or you know like the (laughs) in terms of republicans it was like suburban white women that kind of really turned against trump and you know made him lose you know uh, the more rational, insane elements of, I guess, their umbrella, constituency, you know, they're just kind well, what of going doing, hardcore into the crazy element of it. Yeah, what they're doing is, you know, they saw Trump lose by eight million votes, lost a number of states like Arizona and Georgia that haven't gone Democrat in fucking years. And they're saying, so you're saying there's a chance and they're just doubling <laughs> down on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know. I mean, the population's growing and like more young people who skew overwhelmingly liberal. And then when you look at millennials, like, you know, they're going to get in the age bracket where they actually start voting in mass for once. So like the longer they wait, that eight million vote loss is going to be 10 million and then 12 million. And like if, if they follow down the same path. Right. So then what happens when they start losing Texas and then like, you know, the super liberal woke alabama <laughs> you know is like you know trending purple comparatively right i don't yeah. know what their end goal is well i mean that's that's why like they really only their only kind of legislative push right now in state legislatures controlled by republicans is the voting rights stuff they're just trying to make it harder to vote um you know it's like literally they know they're going to lose the popular vote but they hope they can you know, scale back the popular vote just enough that they continue to keep getting these electoral college victories, you know? Yeah, I think that's like straight up their plan. Uh, And then furthering, uh, making it harder for Republicans to do stuff in Congress. It's funny just because uh, Trump is doing these statements, you know, I guess he's got his like own dumb social media thing that no one cares about but he's doing things An like HTML calling out blog <laughs> yeah he's calling mitch mcconnell gutless and back tr- backseat driving you know kind of like a little bitch just complaining uh which you know again it's just every day it gets stupider and stupider that republicans are clinging to again a guy who lost them the entire government <laughs> you know um yeah so doubling like, down on that <laughs> right not a particularly good strategy And this is interesting because there's not, when you think about what's going on in Congress and then in the state congressional chambers, you know, there's not really. Like, what do Republicans stand for, right? There's not even constructive criticism of Democrats' plans, right? They don't have competing health care plans. They don't have competing infrastructure plans, really. All they're saying is just no to everything. And every sentence, they say uh, Democrats, you know, and their radical socialist agenda. You know, if they're not straight up calling them, I guess, communists and baby blood drinkers, <laughs> you know, every sentence at least has the... Well, that's the, the funny uh, thing is, like, young people don't think of socialism as a bad word. Like, you right. mean, young people... People who supported overwhelmingly bernie sanders who talked about you know socialist stuff all the time like that's not the dirty word like i mean are they trying to get like 85 year olds to continue to vote republican just because they say the word socialist like i don't that's another demographic that's not yeah. going to do too well politically over the long term and it's actually <laughs> kind of funny because it's kind of backfiring when you think about like bernie sanders was very popular with young people So everything he was calling for is not really socialism. It's like democratic socialism, which is a nuance, you know, that most conservatives are not capable of understanding or looking up and they they don't seem to want to. But it's like a branding error because the more you say, you know, the more you call popular proposals by a popular old guy like Bernie and AOC, you know, young and exciting new ideas, the more you call them communism and socialism, the more you're just making the young people who like those ideas because they know the shitty way world they're inheriting you know and the horrible economic uh you know conditions that they are now living in and starting families in like it's a branding error because you're just making socialism look very very attractive especially because all of these proposals are not actually socialism yeah but again having a paid time off for mothers with you know babies right like that's i mean People are so dumb when they throw around the term socialism, like socialism literally means that the government is taking over the uh, the means of production, uh, i.e. like the people and the government is literally taking the keys to businesses and saying we own this now. And I don't think anything being, you know, uh, proposed by the Democrats right now is really that. So that's your point, right? I mean, there are going to be people who are actual socialists and, you know, the the scare tactics aren't going to work. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, most Democrats idea of like, you know, strong socialist leaning uh, proposals and stuff involve a lot of unions and stuff and kind of like famously, like. Uh, in America in the 40s, like the 30s and 40s, as actual communism was taking fire in Russia, and a lot of people were worried they were going to export communism and like kind of incite rebellions, like the idea to rebel against that within a capitalist means was just strong unions that enter into contracts with the uh like employers and stuff and it's not actually really socialism it's just stronger rights and uh it's kind of like unions like effectively i guess at heart are a means with which workers can share some of the decision making with their employers in a way that stops the uh you know employees from actually going full socialist or communist or you know like rebelling and like going on strike and stuff Like when P- the reason Karl Marx is like popular is because his book was actually talking about some things that were actually happening. Like the extreme capitalism was really like, shitty for most very people. real problems. Yeah. Yeah. So like he was right about a lot of stuff. He You know, then he kind of went off the deep end talking about the worldwide global socialist revolution, which wasn't going to happen. But like when you look at like a country like the Soviet Union, right. Uh, the Bolsheviks and communists were rebelling against the social Democrats who were just people who said, "Okay, yeah, pure capitalism kind of sucks for some people. We just need to make it a little better for people so that society can function better. And like that's where Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are. They're saying, hey, the government does have a role and they can try to soften the blow a little bit from pure capitalism that is, you know, he right. has a lot of the problems that Karl Marx talked about. Right. He was just yeah. wrong about other things. Right. And I think that's something that's really impressive about Joe Biden. He's he's kind of like governing a little bit more to the left than most people thought he would. And he's really adopting a lot of like real kind of, you know, uh, on not far left because America far left is like center left in any other country. With like real political, you know, uh, like full on political uh representation of like every viewpoint, but like yeah. uh, but it's interesting because like Joe Biden is very very Catholic, you know, and like a lot of his uh more very progressive, religious, yeah. oh yeah, he's very religious, and a lot of his progressive ideas are rooted in that Catholic idea of helping the poor and making sure everyone, you know, not having the outcome, but at least having the opportunity to have uh equality, like the equality of opportunity, if not the equality Quality of of uh, outcome, which most people, you know, most people who are even far left say, yeah, obviously we'll never have full equality of outcome, and that's you know not not really an ideal way to govern. But it's just funny that again, like you know, Jimmy Carter is another good example of anybody, any Democrat or liberal who's actually very Christian gets very very hated by the (laughs) religious right. You know, it's just kind of ironic. Well, I think the actually, well, yeah, the religious right, I guess. But yeah, what I was going to say is when you listen to a lot of right wing commentators. Um, you know, a lot about what you hear is a, um, well, I guess I lost my train of thought on that one, <laughs> oh, no worries. but, uh, no, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So, wow. You I don't know. Yeah. Moving it. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Okay. <laughs> um, and That's so, funny going back to the idea that there's not constructive criticism of democrats plans uh like if you actually look at their priorities in state legislatures i mentioned that a little bit earlier with the voting restrictions but what are the other things that they're voting on trans bills where they're basically just trying to fuck over anybody who's trans for like needless reasons you know they're real worried about trans kids you know being in high school sports and stuff for whatever reason for whatever stupid reason. And then they want to block critical race theory. Like, they're going out of their way to, like, scapegoat and demonize the New York Times. Like, what is it? The 1619 Project? Where, again, it's always, like, that idea that, like, Democrats are trying to, like, uh, um like, brainwash, I guess, and uh, indoctrinize, <laughs> you know, uh, the the youth into communism. But really, all it is is a project to just say, hey, you know, there's a lot of racial problems in America that haven't been solved. You know, it's like, it's so, it's so weird that that is, like, the uh, the political fight, the the kind of, like, uh, wedge issue of the day. It's just, like, acknowledging that, that, yeah, you know what, in 1965, when we did the Civil Rights Act, it didn't really immediately solve every problem problem especially because people who got fucked over before 1965 are still alive you know and uh things like that so i mean oh and then bullshit election fraud investigations. so right now like even republicans in arizona especially the statewide elected ones who kind of oversaw the election and things like that they're pushing back and saying, you're making us look like a, you know, a clown state. You're we're, we're like a laughing stock. Well, the whole, stock. I mean, it was ridiculous, right? The looking for bamboo traces because they were convinced yeah. that Chinese ballots right. were coming in. And, and therefore, QAnon, because they're from China, they have bamboo in them. Right. And there's a QAnon conspiracy theory that they fed these fake votes... After counting them, of course, they fed the fake votes to chickens to eat them, (laughs) digest them, and then burn the chickens (laughs) to, like, I guess double erase all evidence, which is just so ludicrous, Uh, but it really goes Yeah, the Republican mantra is like, uh, you know, we'll make the rest of the world respect America again. And it's like, okay, we (laughs) look at like Maricopa County, Arizona and their recount. Like, that's how I looked at the entire Trump administration. It was the same fucking thing. Like when he like the whole Sharpie thing on that map about the hurricane, like that was four years of that. Like (laughs) that's the Republican Party right now. Yeah. And so that's what pisses me off is just there's no i mean i don't understand how people still i mean well i get it because of all the wedge issues and now it's a cultural persecution complex that's all they have are wedge issues i mean the republicans they don't republican voters don't care about the laffer curve anymore you know they don't care necessarily about like the marginal tax rates and how you know they used to talk about fair tax and stuff no it's all about trump now it's all about conspiracy theory it's about these dumb wedge issues like as it, like you mentioned before with like the trans rights bills, it's like as if like high school sports really matters that much. And like isn't the whole point of high school sports just like the uh, what you get from playing sports like, you know, learning competition, fair sports, like uh, teamwork, pre- like perseverance. And it's like, who who the fuck cares? Right. But You know, the Republicans are trying to win on that wedge issue somehow. So I guess they think it's uh, divisive enough to get their voters out. Yeah. And of course, there's always a dose of hypocrisy. I think uh, there's many more elected Republicans who have been arrested for sex crimes and sneaking in bathrooms, and you know, the wide stance and trying to, you know, get blowjobs or whatever in public bathrooms. Like way more Republicans who have been elected to office have been arrested for this kind of stuff than trans people. And again, like trans people are always, you know, like they're way more likely to be victims of all of the crimes that Republicans are accusing them of being of perpetrating against good Christians or whatever. It's just it's so it's literally just hateful. It's a uh, well, literally it's hateful, poly- it, Yeah, yeah. It's hateful and it's very anti-small C conservative, right? You know, small government type of politics. And so now their main goal right now in Congress, uh, all of the news this week is the insurrection infiz- investigation. Um, Republicans originally were saying they were not going to whip the votes, but I believe last night Steve Scalise, who's like second in command of the Republican House caucus and the whip, he was saying that they're not, uh, he's not going to start, he he originally said he wasn't going to whip the votes either way, but now Kevin McCarthy is uh, making moves to try to uh, get people not to do it. And Mitch McConnell came out today saying he wasn't going to support it either. And again, this is another example because, Uh, Republicans had a list of demands and Democrats actually took a lot of them. So like Democrats, which again, it's it's, how many times do Democrats have to learn this lesson? Republicans got the Democrats to agree to have like an equal number of, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats. And then uh, for any subpoena that would get authored uh, or issued, um, you would have to have bipartisan support for the subpoena. So, you know, Granted, I can think of a lot of ways Republicans will abuse those rules to water yeah. down the eventual investigation, but Democrats agreed to it, and I think some people were saying McCarthy did not expect Republican or uh, Democrats to agree, and so that's why he was originally kind of for it, or at least publicly, you know, not against it and whatnot, but now McCarthy apparently is very worried because uh um he very well may be a uh, get he may uh, get a subpoena for it and be called to testify because on january 6th he had a phone call with trump where he begged <laughs> trump to make a statement to tell him to go away and leave the capitol and trump reportedly told him that he guessed that uh all of the uh insurrection uh protesters loved america more than kevin mccarthy did so uh <laughs> Obviously, if you are, you know, going to be investigated and maybe uh, criminally charged <laughs> for some of it, well, I guess not criminally charged, but certainly investigated, and he'll have to testify under oath. And you know, well, what happens when all those people <laughs> who get subpoenaed to testify start making shit up and then they're lying to Congress, right? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean. That would well, be I a mean- crime. Well, that's the thing. It's like with all this stuff with the Mueller report, apparently there's no consequences if you just lie about everything and never tell the truth and bully other witnesses and intimidate them and, you know, uh, perjure yourself. But, I mean, do you have any doubt that Kevin McCarthy would just lie and say, oh, we talked about having tea and cakes, you know? Like, yeah, I, or it's I, like how many times can you evade a question before the person questioning you just moves on to another question? Right. You hear that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then a uh, Republican representative, uh, I forget the guy's first name, but Catco is his last name. So McCarthy actually put him in charge of, uh, you know, hashing out the deal with Democrats to do the investigation. And uh, so Catco made all these deals. It was a bipartisan agreement. And now <laughs> uh, Kevin McCarthy and all the Republicans are saying, oh, that guy who we sent to negotiate with uh, for us, yeah, w- we don't we don't buy any of that. He's not speaking for any of us. So apparently he's really pissed at Kevin McCarthy for basically just making him go off a cliff and now he's alone, you know, after making all of these agreements and actually, you know, Democrats doing good faith, uh, you know, negotiations and compromises. Um Yeah, any comments on that? <laughs> it just no, pisses you off. It just so reminds much, me, isn't it? Yeah. It it reminds me of a comment Charlie Sykes of the Bulwark <laughs> made which that like you there's no saving the republican party anymore like the crazies and no nothings his words uh bigots (laughs) have won over the party and that there's nothing to salvage anymore and the republican party is just gone. yeah Um, and here's a little note i mean we're so lucky the insurrection turned out the way it did because like it's almost like trump's i mean i'm gonna say this in a purely machiavellian sense like trump is kind of a coward because him and you know rudy giuliani saying we need combat what do he say uh we need uh trial by combat they're like doing everything but saying hey go actually kill people and punch people and take hostages and stuff but they're like getting right up to the line that legally i guess you could say well i didn't mean it literally you know uh for actually inciting violence but i mean we're lucky that like i mean if trump was a total maniac i mean i was listening to it on the radio i was uh driving for my job uh and i was like literally uh I was like my whole, my adrenaline was going so hard. Like my heart was beating so hard. As I'm like all of a sudden, CNN and all these media companies just start. I it was like hard to believe at first. Like they just yeah. start breaking away to. Oh, there's a giant mob surrounding the Capitol. Oh, they're breaking the windows and getting inside. Oh, the police yeah. is not coming. I was like literally. Like, my chest was pumping so hard as I'm like, well, this is the end of America. So, I mean, like, can you imagine, like, if Trump had gotten up there and say, don't leave until, like, take all the hostages, don't leave until Mike Pence is literally hung or something? Like, you know, I guess in a way it's like Trump's a little bit of a coward for not going, like, going all the way up to an actual violent coup. But, you know, I guess giving himself legal room to, like, you know, I I didn't mean literally. (laughs) You know, like all of his lawyers are saying, like, uh you know about the uh you know all of their rationales is uh you know i didn't when i went on fox news and saying all of the elections were rigged and everyone should rebel you know i nothing i said did i mean for people to take literally (laughs) yeah (laughs) like there's no reason for people to have believed all the things i spent you know weeks saying yeah i mean it's weird so it'll be weird if after all of that january 6th you know trump the only thing he gets charged with is lying about his taxes or whatever yeah. Yeah. Like a like a true mob boss, you know, yeah. <laughs> just oh, yeah. He didn't claim all the income he made. I guess we can move on to the Cheney vote. Liz Cheney, uh, the Republicans at the last moment, I believe, changed into a voice vote. So they're not even on record for how they voted. I Which guess is just... cowardice. If you're going to yeah. throw someone out of your leadership, <laughs> right. fucking stand up for it. Like right. all these people like they did it. They did the secret vote like a couple months ago when they voted whether or not to let her keep her position. That was cowardly. Right. Like, I understand not wanting to like throw your coworkers under the bus like publicly, but like, man, way to like really stand up behind what you believe. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, um, so, again, it's like, how will history view this with Liz Cheney? Cause like, obviously, she's on the right side. And now she's having a field week uh, going to like every media company and doing interviews and kind of talking a little bit of shit. Um, again, like, Trump literally incited a coup attempt. With people running through with guns and weapons. <laughs> well, it's not and, even that, right? He lost the election, period. Yeah. That's like the, mo- the right. most basic thing you could say about the last five months is that Donald Trump lost the election. Yeah. And it's ironic because they're replacing Liz Cheney with Elise Stefanik, who is very moderate, much more so than Liz Cheney, who is like one of the most reliable conservative votes <laughs> and voted yeah. with Trump more than Elise Stefanik did. So that's kind of like an ironic thing um and again it's like the idea of like why are republicans coddling baby trump you know he lost the entire government why are they just spending like trump's entire life is just everyone around him bending over backwards to appease him and i guess not upset him because he's just a maniac with no shame and now i guess um you know actually it's kind of like a testament to his power over his voters but i saw this video Here, Uh, Trump was like at one of his campaign events or whatever was saying we're all victims, everybody here, all these thousands of people here tonight, they're all victims, every one of you, basically saying that like all of his supporters and all Republicans are victims being bullied by the big mean Democrats. And it really kind of gets to his appeal, like it literally is that cultural persecution complex. You know, they literally you know, they know he's a terrible person and he didn't really do a lot, but he's fighting for them by, you know, I guess mocking immigrants and people with uh, physical handicaps and all this stuff like he's their fighter. Well, uh, plus, I mean, it's a really weird thing that's kind of shown about American society is that the people who just listen to politicians, like, we have this whole joke for decades that politicians are just liars, you know, they're paid advertisements for whatever special interest, and then you have all these people who just believe everything Trump says, despite the fact he's been, you know, in court for fraud multiple times, (laughs) like Trump University, like, that was just a big lie, and they, they say they trust Trump more than anything else. Yeah, it is weird because he's like, you know, on record calling all these journalists and stuff pretending to be his own spokesperson just to say stories about it. Like it's the egomania of it is just wild. Um, Well, I mean, it's so funny, like when you how far back you want to go, like after Princess Diana died, Trump said like she was wanted to date him or something like that. (laughs) As soon as it's no longer corroboratable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, and this is this is what gets me thinking, you know, it's like is trump filming rooms at mar-a-lago like does he have secret cameras and then invites all these people to mar-a-lago or trump tower or something and then just you know i don't know sends prostitutes and films what happens or something like i mean kevin mccarthy's on record (laughs) (laughs) where are you getting that from (laughs) no i'm just no it's all speculative of course but like kevin mccarthy's on record saying i think putin pays trump you know um Like, why would Lindsey Graham say, you know, we will be destroyed if we nominate Trump and we will deserve it? (laughs) And now he's like, you know, Trump's biggest defender. Like, I think Trump learned something from Putin and like all of the uh, dictators he admires throughout history and like, you know, at the current moment. Like, I that to me, that's the only explanation is he's just filming people or like compromising them or, you know, getting hacked emails or something. You know, it makes no sense otherwise i mean <laughs> yeah it is pretty inexplicable like people like uh what's the guy from wisconsin ron johnson you know yeah. just going crazy off the deep end uh kevin Mac- like i mean there's a lot of uh lot of dots that quickly get filled in um and connected if it's just trump's blackmailing everybody right especially now because it's like trump lost he's a giant loser i don't know well, he's still complaining pick. about it. Like I'm just seeing a text right now a statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America, <laughs> saying that the entire database of Maricopa County in Arizona has been deleted. This is illegal. <laughs> seals yeah. were broken on boxes that hold the votes. Ballots are missing or worse. First off, the people there have all the ballots. How do they know they're missing, especially if the database is gone? How could they know? Like, how could you put that sentence together? It doesn't even make any sense. Right. Uh, many radical left Democrats and weak Republicans are very worried about the fact <laughs> weak that this Republicans. has been exposed. More states to follow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is funny, especially since, like, most of the the swing states that Biden won have Republicans in the legislature. Like, and, and you know, all of to, the statewide offices and stuff that, uh, you know, monitor oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, sign off on the elections. But people yeah. will believe this, and you know, over you know, I guess their better judgment or common sense. Well, it's just the right wing media, you know, echo chamber. That that's the only the only thing they're going to hear now is just people talking about that statement and just taking yep. it for fact. Um, and so that gets to our next point. GOP, the GOP is not a serious party, and I think a good example of that. Andrew Giuliani, son of Rudy Giuliani, is now running for New York governor. <laughs> I guess you know. How soon before he has to promise that he's not only doing that to interfere with all of these uh, investigations into his dad and golfing buddy Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, I worry about this so much, especially like, you know, okay, yeah, you could have a state with a dumb governor, like, for example, um, (laughs) like uh, the Kardashian stepdad or whatever running in, in California. But like I always think of this, it's like this is such like late stage republic, right? Where you just have like random people running for stuff, so, like solely based on their name recognition. Like, what does Rudy Giuliani's son think about any policy? Has he ever said anything <laughs> substantive? <laughs> right. Like, what are his goals? Like, what does he want to do for New York State? Is it just own the libs and like not to go on a tirade here, but like I always think of all the people who say they're like, oh, we should have Dwayne the Rock Johnson run for president. Well, is Dwayne the Rock Johnson qualified to, like, you know, go into a meeting 20 minutes after he's president? and then drop bombs on someone or drone strike some terrorists in Yemen. Like, is that who, like, you know, when they sit him down and explain to him America's long history of nuclear policy and how our nuclear forces are set up right now, like, is he someone you trust to be able to take that information and do anything with it? (laughs) You know, like, that's the funny thing is like, uh, and and, and this goes on both sides too, right? Like, when that, like, uh, uh, woman who did that poem, said she was gonna run for president in like fifteen years whenever she's like thirty five or whatever. Like okay. I well that's what people were talking about that she should run for president. But it's like okay, so this like twenty something year old woman right now who's a poet, like, is she going to respond to like the Israeli Palestine, you know, issue? (laughs) Like, take the average American who is someone with name recognition, but no political experience. Are they going to be somehow find a way to stand up to Israel and try to get them to stop bombing, you know, Palestinians? Are they going to try to, you know, bring Hamas and Israel together? I don't like that's just a joke to me. Right. Do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the guy to tell Palestinians (laughs) how they should negotiate with Israel? (laughs) Like, it's a fucking joke yeah that's I mean, anyway that's tie point. right over <laughs> I, I do think all i think all opinions are not equal and that experts are a good thing despite what conservatives think and i think if you study issues and you have nuanced views that are maybe at times difficult to express fluidly and quickly and little sound bites that make you a uh an attractive presidential candidate on uh like uh, twitter sound bites or little cable news interviews for three minutes you know like those are very different skills and uh Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point because not everybody should be president. Not anybody can be president. Not anybody would be, you know, effective or, you know... um you know, it has any business running for president or even politics. Well, in I have general. a great example for you. I have a great. So I'm reading this book about um, it's called The Bomb by Fred Kaplan. And it's talking about like the history of America's nuclear policy. So it's talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And John F. Kennedy is basically being told by literally everyone in his administration and the NSC to uh, bomb the shit out of Cuba, invade Cuba with soldiers, and then, you know, basically forcibly destroy the short range nuclear missiles that the Soviet Union had put in uh, months before, right? So you have the entire military and NSC establishment telling him to do this. And then imagine putting Dwayne the Rock Johnson there, <laughs> knowing <laughs> yeah, that the, right. Kennedy's decision was almost a unilateral decision uh, to go against the better judgment of the NSC and the military generals briefing him. And he said, we're not going to do this. And then lo and behold, they you know find out later that those nuclear missiles were operational and that the military commanders on the ground would have nuked American cities if we had done that. Like, and now we're going to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. movie star extraordinaire uh, tried to negotiate with uh, uh, the, the Soviets at the time but yeah, what yeah. a joke that's yeah that's an interesting idea too because a lot of people you know like our government is still set up it's like the first modern democracy and like our president is still set up quite a bit more like a monarch or a king with kind of like unilateral executive decision making and power than most other you know more modern democracies that got you know founded after well no that's actually not true i mean you have to think about you have to think about the evolution of the presidency right there's a reason why Article one of the Constitution's about the legislature, like the the whole office of the presidency has changed and evolved dramatically, which is actually some of the notes I wrote for here. So this is a good jumping or segue. But like people say, especially on the right, like oh we need to stay true to the Constitution, and it's like the Constitution uh, and the time period it was written is like completely. Uh, not on par with the situation we find ourselves in the 21st century, right? So the entire presidency as an institution, it's not just a job, it's an institution that's changed over time. So like the idea that, we need a small government that's not doing anything that wasn't being done 240 years ago right that's a ludicrous position to take and there's a reason that no republican no matter how much they railed against big government didn't shrink government right reagan didn't do it george w bush didn't do it george hw bush certainly didn't do it and it's like you have these people who literally don't even know how the world works and like I mean, I don't know. That's like, I mean, I made that comment earlier, like late stage republic, right? I mean, our republic in our Senate and our House is literally being filled with morons who don't know anything about anything. And they're trying to make important decisions about how the world should work. And it's just based on bullshit, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, think of Rick Perry, right? I'm going to cut the Department of Energy because he thought it had to do with keeping oil prices high. That makes no fucking sense. The Department of Energy handles our nuclear weapons and like your you know nuclear research. So like you're just gonna cut that. Like that's kind of a policy stance that you know someone who just says name recognition and knows all the the best hits of Republican talking points might say, but it's just stupid and bullshit, right? Yeah. uh, Not to get too worked up here, but but that's why it's important, because the presidency does have a lot more power in our country than most other executive leaders in other countries. Right. Oh, yeah. To some extent. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what country you're looking at. but Yeah. Um, And, you know, it goes to show that Republicans aren't serious. I mean, now Laura Trump is, uh, you know, going to run for Senate in North Carolina, I guess. She's kind of putting out feelers for that. And it's like well, what, another what, yeah, how, Senate how right? Is she, she's running for Senate, yeah, for Senate. And how is she? Uh, you know, I guess she's like literally eligible because she has <laughs> you know like the age requirement and like living living there or whatever or from being from there, whatever. But I mean, like, what expertise does she bring? She was what like a producer on entertainment, some entertainment show, and then was just president's daughter-in-law who went on Fox News and just said pro my father-in-law things. <laughs> well, you no, know, but another now funny thing though. Is like with my tirade earlier, like I'm I'm not I don't think you need a massive amount of experience to be a representative necessarily. But I think you need to have goals and you need to have an idea about policy and you need to have a rational belief that you can actually do something about that. So if you're running just because you have name recognition, like, you know, think of it like if you're going to run for mayor, but like you don't want to improve the parks or do anything. Like, why are you running for mayor now? Just put that at the federal level with the presidency yeah like are you literally just just own the own the libs they don't really want to do anything but just stop the radical socialist agenda (laughs) you know it's just you got to trademark that because they just put that in every sentence yeah totally just performative um and then speaking of that um We've got other uh, another notable candidacy, uh, Mark McCloskey from St. Louis, the guy, the rich lawyer who his whole claim to fame was pointing a small rifle at peaceful <laughs> Black Lives Matter protesters, is now running for Senate. Because in, in uh, the performative world of Republican politics, all you need to do to become a viable Senate candidate is point a gun at other people. I guess people of color, <laughs> you know, preferably people of color in the Republican uh, you know, world of performative politics, uh, and he'll be running yeah. actually against a uh, former disgraced uh, governor. Um, oh shit, what's Eric name? Greitens? Yeah, Eric Greitens, um, who you know was c- accused of charity fraud and sexual assault and uh, some, I guess, campaign finance fraud, and all of those investigations just kind of got dropped when he resigned from being governor. But now, I guess. <laughs> In the republican world of performative politics he knows the anti own the lib things uh to say and now uh, i guess he you know his his hatred for joe biden and liberals is being is absolving him of of his past creepiness and stuff and now both of those guys will be running against josh holly who literally helped inspire an actual coup attempt on our government and was a big purveyor of the big lie that donald trump really won the election and he's got the uh, you know the bullshit performative thing of well I'm just asking questions. Some of my voters want to know. I'm just doing this so my voters and constituents have faith in the process. And it's like yeah, you're the one not giving them faith in the process. You're the one talking all this shit yeah. and not admitting the truth. <laughs> well, so, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? And I think they they definitely get it wrong and reversed. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. So that'll <laughs> well, be it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say it's such a funny thing because like, oh, well, we have questions and it's like, well, hey, the uh, representative from Missouri doesn't get too fucking you know, sense to, to weigh in on what Pennsylvania is doing, like stay in your right. swim lane. Right. Yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, we can point this out, that literally nobody objected to their own state's uh, certifications. It was only senators, and I guess they just took turns flip-flopping. Well, I can't do Missouri because I'm from Missouri, and I don't want to make my people look bad or accuse my constituents of being fraud. So, uh, yeah. You know, well, yeah, what's Ron Johnson being, doing in Wisconsin? Can he can he take the fall in this uh, Missouri blame for me? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Pennsylvania. Like, there's a Republican, Pat Toomey. So why didn't Josh Hawley say, hey, Pat, uh, did yeah. anything weird happen there? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. And it's, you know. Yeah. It goes to that persecution thing that it kind of, there's like a pseudo white supremacy that just Democrats are trying to make us all be biracial and communism and Muslim or whatever. And it's like this weird white supremacy, but you know, they know they can't be racist publicly and say it. But you know, most of Fox news's opinion news, like Tucker Carlson, who's the standard bearer of that, he's kind of going off the deep end on this, like. Pseudo subtly, like not so subtle, but slightly veiled white supremacy that America's being taken away from the real patriots and uh, Democrats. Oh, the white replacement. You know, yeah, uh, theory. <laughs> and it's like it, it goes into everything, like the open borders and the immigration stuff. You know, all of that's really about Democrats. You know, allegedly just you know bussing in. <laughs> you know, dozens, dozens of uh, people of color and Muslims and terrorists from the Middle East and these secret buzzes to vote and turn America well, You know what's white. funny? is like, I hear this all the fucking time from conservatives who say shit like, there are no borders in America. Anyone can come. And it's like, okay, why don't you go to fucking Syria and try to board a plane and come to America without a fucking passport? Right. <laughs> don't yes, talk yes. to the See? State Department. Don't talk to the, like, the... Uh, uh, diplomat building, right? Just fucking go to Syria and then try to pretend you can come here. <laughs> right. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Another big one they say is, you know, that uh, they call it, it's like the lottery visa program where it's like just any criminal who <laughs> gets into the, the lottery <laughs> will be picked. But it's like so dumb because, you know, again, it's like the nuance. Like if you have, a, you know, 10 minutes to look it up and actually do the hard work of investigating or researching or looking things up, like, you know, that lottery is like the most... uh the most investigated, uh, you know, like, you're more oh, you're investigated than anyone on Earth. if you're to come Earth. here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is the most stringent requirement right. to be vetted through. Yeah. To get into that stuff, you have to go through so many levels. You have to be, you know, you have to prove your education, your health. It takes, like, you know, two years plus. It's, like, so dumb that they just think, like, yeah, we're just random members of ISIS get randomly selected in our visa lottery to come live here for free. (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Um, And uh, so here's an idea for 2022 um some republicans i think liz cheney's in this and a bunch of former republicans you know emphasis on the word former they're trying to have like a new conservative party i don't know how concrete they're actually going to go through with this but the idea is to have like a new conservative party i guess to be kind of like the independent republicans with sense who aren't just gonna like roll over for donald trump to continue to assault the party with his bullshit Um, do you think there's any value in that or do you think they'll be successful at all well, in a political science uh, sense, I think, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, this is kind of an inconvenient thing for them to talk about. But like, if you literally don't want Trump to be your party's nominee again, and you don't like Trumpism, and you don't like what he's done to the Republican Party, you should just run third party and take votes away from the Republicans and let Democrats win. Like, we have a two party system, a first pass the post electoral system. If you want to keep the Trumpers from winning, you have to sacrifice You know, the Republican seat and let Democrats win because the alternative uh, with the Republican Party backing Trumpers is that you either vote for a Democrat, you run against a Republican or you let the Trumper win. Right those are your really your only options. Uh, And you can take you can try to moral out your your personal moral compass wherever you want. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that the Republican Party as a whole, like the party apparatus is supporting Trump. So therefore, if you want to stop them, you either need to run third party um, because you're not going to win a primary. Right. Like Liz Cheney, like I don't think is going to get Trump's nod (laughs) and approval (laughs) before her reelection. So she can either run third party get real republicans to vote for or you know republican classic people to vote for and let you know try to let the democrat win or you get whoever trump supported yeah or like you know just vote democrat but a lot of them don't really have the balls to you know just say well one party's pro-democracy and one party's against democracy so i'll vote the pro-democracy party but you know if, if they can siphon off votes for a useless third party i guess that's better than nothing again it would be better if they just you know sucked it up and voted for democrats because they ultimately they know democrats should win over the republicans but they don't want to vote for radical socialist agenda you know <laughs> yeah. um they buy their own uh, campaign uh, right you know, uh, yeah you got media bullshit but. yeah and we talked a little bit about the redistricting the democrats have like no choice but to pass the HR SR one bills in the house and the senate because which Republicans they won't because uh joe manchin yeah says, which, he doesn't support which they it. might not yeah we'll see um here's an idea i had john tester a rare kind of uh opposite party pick for the senate in montana montana's always red montana's kind of flirting the last couple elections has been flirting with me in a purple swing state um, some of the like uh, some big city uh, cities in Montana are obviously kind of swinging the state a little more in the purple direction. But John Tester still gets elected a Democrat, which is really interesting. I wanted to ask you about this. He has, a he, you know, I think last year or something, he had the book Winning Back Rural America. Uh, how how possible do you think that is? I mean, like, obviously, I say that knowing John Tester did it. And he's like a real life farmer, actually has a farm. So he does kind of, you know, like for rural Americans, like he's obviously one of them. But do you think that's something that's like kind of uh, exportable beyond John Tester, either specifically as his personality that's obviously popular with people or maybe just Montana? Like, do you think that's do you think it's possible for more like rural, I don't know, farmer or I don't know, are there are there a lot of coal miner Democrats that we can enlist to, you know, get some Senate seats from rural red states kind of. Inexplicably, like John Tester has been popular in I'll a time when we're so divided and partisan. I don't know why more rural areas don't try to get the federal government to help them. Um, right. And I think there's like a number of resources that the federal government typically provides for impoverished parts of the country. Um, I know, you know, Hillary Clinton for all the right demonized her and how rural people hated her. Uh, by and large, you know, she talked about literally taking money from California, New York and giving it to West Virginia to like, right. recreate their economy, um, to bring them in the 21st century so they don't have to rely on coal. And they said, fuck you and voted you know, overwhelmingly for Trump. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible. But I mean, you know, you have a lot of these people who are QAnon supporters. So, right. I mean, there are people who literally think Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are like pedophile child, you know, blood drinkers. So yeah. I don't think you can reach those people. Um, I That's guess what's we'll so see frustrating, over time. Like, <laughs> like, you know, the big thing with like Biden's infrastructure plan that they hold up is, oh, broadband access for everybody. But that that is literally almost exclusively for rural Americans, like the I don't know, the 10% of rural Americans who live in places that private companies (laughs) do not want to go and build the infrastructure for, you know, high speed Internet and broadband because they won't make enough money doing it for so for how few people live in these real rural areas. So like that's like a problem that the, the, the government most people probably don't even know about it. Like I live in a big city and my Internet company. Uh, like, sends me emails begging me to get better internet that I don't need so I can pay them more. And it's like, that's not even a question for some people in rural parts of the country, right. apparently. Yeah. They have like one provider that screws them and has terrible service or something. So, this yeah. is something like the government where there's no, there's no, uh, There's no free market solution or private industry solution because, again, private companies won't be profitable doing that, so they're not going to. So this is something that, again, it's like the infrastructure idea that Pete Buttigieg talks about that's like, well, we need to expand the, uh, the idea of infrastructure past roads and bridges, just like highways weren't a, you know, they weren't in the imagination of infrastructure before they started getting built, you know. But it's the same thing like this actually brings up all Americans. And it's not it's not the equality of outcome that Republicans always kind of fear monger the Democrats are about. But it's the uh, equality of opportunity. If everyone has access to broadband Internet, you know, you know, people can start businesses. Kids can do their homework. You know, they're, okay. in rural areas, kids like have a hard time doing homework and have to stay around school and literally like siphon off, you know, the the Wi-Fi from their school to be able to do their homework isn't that really that's but again it's like for conservatives this is something that demo you know like when would trump do something that would mostly help liberals right he literally tried to stop all the covid plans because he thought ah it's a blue state problem it's not my it's not a red state problem so why should i care but again you know joe biden's an actual christian who wants to help all people especially people who don't have that equality of opportunity well what i would say is it goes back to the point i was just making about how some jurisdictions or communities at the local level are failing their people for example like if you like first off okay so the rest of the country has huge access to internet like what are you doing as a state or a county or a city to bring those same services to your locality uh also like if you're a really a republican and really hate the government and believe that like oh uh you know everyone should just pick themselves up by their own bootstraps well like As far as education goes, there are tons of stuff on the Internet you can just get educated on for free. And like for people who are poor or don't like their lot in life, you know, they could literally just go online and just do whatever they want, learn about whatever they want for free. Uh, if you have internet access. So, like, the fact that they don't have internet access clearly shows this is a degree of infrastructure in a way that, like, Republicans are saying it's not, right? Like, the idea that, like, oh, how could you have an integrated market uh, without the federal government helping build railroads across the country? Like, people take it for granted that, like, the West Coast and East Coast can trade with each other. But, like, if you went back before the railroads connected them, they were, like, completely autarkic... uh, What is that word? Autarkic... Um, you know, blocks that didn't communicate very well together, and they certainly didn't trade or integrate economically. So it's the same thing with the Internet. So I think Pete Buttigieg and Biden and the Democrats are 100% right that we need to expand what we think is infrastructure. And it's just like, why, if you're a location that doesn't have Internet or has shitty Internet, like, why would you not be in 100% support of this, especially if the federal government's paying for it? Yeah, this gets on a more like, I guess, a metaphysical standpoint. But it is weird that, I mean, there's a lot of conservatives, especially more on like the loony religious right side of things who are just so against socialism and, you know, they don't believe that earth and this life matters anyway because heaven is all that matters (laughs) afterwards. So, I mean, like, it's, it's weird to talk about, but a lot of people literally have that perspective that things here don't matter and that they would rather die poor and not having opportunity and equality and things like that or having good lives because all that matters is the next life, heaven, and at least they'll know they went to heaven without being socialist or giving into like the government and things like that like i mean it sounds well, far so to bring too, it up like but i think our... that's a lot that's a lot of people like how they they literally don't care about things that's why it's such a cultural thing anything to stop the radical uh like socialist agenda you know yeah well i mean i, I always think of it driving on the eastern shore of virginia like going up uh the east coast like i would see all the time this like one i forget what exactly little town it was but there were just like dilapidated like farm barns everywhere and then like this tiny little like town square with a couple of buildings that the highway goes right through and it's like this dilapidated like broken down like old uh car repair place it looks like it's been out of business for years and there's there was like a big sign that just says vote republican and it's like yeah. ooh, like I, that's a good and, picture ouch. a good image yeah yeah vote republican in so. your and that's the thing it's like you know all I doing a road trip through ten, Tennessee and Kentucky is like all those mountain towns that it's the exact same thing everything's going to shit there's no opportunity anyone who's young has to move the city and go somewhere else you know it's basically just the people who were born there and grew up there as everything turned to shit or just left there decaying and then like the only vibrancy is a Mexican restaurant from a Hispanic family that moved in you know immigration or like yeah. a community a mosque or a Muslim community center you know that's the only thing new that's been built in probably like 20 years or something and it's like obviously all these things they Hate immigration, Muslim, you know, religious toleration, cultural diversity, all these things that they just feel like as some kind of existential threat is literally the only thing that will salvage their forgotten towns, you know, that will never be improved by anything because they don't want to have higher taxes, you know. The only thing that helps shit life syndrome, they call it, is having free healthcare, like a universal option that like most of the rest of the industrialized world has. Or, you know, wage increase, but they're against both of those, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more because, um, like, they look back, you know, people like to make fun of conservatives for wanting to live in the 1950s. But, like, look at the marginal tax rates in the 1950s. They were, like, 70, 80 percent, right? So, right. like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not, like, I don't, I don't know how you fix your community. Yeah. If, like, there's no minimum wage, there's no protection for unions, right. there's no protection for workers, and, like, you know, we've talked about this before, but like geography matters, right? If you're a tech startup, you're not going to start up in the Eastern Shore of Virginia. Like, right. I don't think Google's going to move there. Like, so without like the government of some kind, whether it's the state government or federal government, like where are you going to get support? Um because you have to change something, right? When you think of like those small and that's what I was saying is like that's one easy way that like a small town could be transformed is just as simple as bringing the Internet. Like, imagine you have a small like store, you you, you, like you could sell stuff around the country and use the postal service to mail those goods to other people in other states. And you could just by connecting to the Internet, like the possibility. I'm not going to say it's endless, but it's much, 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 much greater than they're experiencing now. Allows, and again, that's yeah. that's two elements of the federal government helping you. One is the Postal Service and one is, right. like you know, some kind of infrastructure spending to bring Internet to your community. Yeah, and that's so dumb. It's like the same idea, you know, Republicans want to kill the, the Postal Service because they think, oh, we'll just we have other private companies that can do it. But it's like no private company does it for so cheap. And like, you know, UPS is not, you know, like the the, the U.S. Postal Service, like, mails livestock for farmers, like live live animals and keeps them alive in transit and like they'll have like post offices in rural towns where no one lives just because a few people live there to make sure they get letters for the same rate you know as anybody else like a stamp no i was the same rate you know yeah i was in cape may new jersey and there was like a one room post office united states postal office just like connected to a gas station and it's this tiny little community you're driving through and like yeah they have a like yeah fedex isn't gonna have a huge place there for you know for all you know like certainly when you go out to the west where there's like hundreds of miles between towns uh, or big population centers like what access are they gonna have well that's the good thing about federal spending yeah and and plus it's like another thing is like i just look in a historical perspective like that's like kind of the basics of a functioning you know country at like almost any time period So, like, look at the Mongol Empire. Are you going to say that, like, the Mongols ruling in Asia in the 1200s had a better system of government that provided a particular mail service better than the United States in 2021? It's kind of a weird thought, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like if you get rid of the postal service and then it's just UPS and FedEx, you know that that's gonna like a lot of their like, you know, trim the government like the government wastes a lot of money on conservative areas that it's not profitable to do stuff. (laughs) You know, a private company is not going to like start delivering mail to like three people that live on the far extreme of Alaska, they're just say, Oh, you're out of our area, you know, we don't do service out there. You're, you know, tough luck, you know, same thing with healthcare, you know, the government wastes a ton of money on rural hospitals in small areas that are not that populated and that normally would not have a hospital because the peop- you know there's not enough people to pay the doctors and you know literally fund the hospital you know so obamacare all the conservatives hate it But uh, you know, that's what kept a lot of rural hospitals going for all these years, they would have gone out of business, there's no way to, you know, they're wasting all their money on, you know, all the inefficiencies of our healthcare system. But they're just getting money from rich states, you know, that actually tax people collect the taxes, and then send it to poor conservative states with rural rural areas. And they get, you know, the, you know, if not more services, the certainly much more expensive services, you know, because it's just not, you know, no, it's not profitable. And that's the point of the government is not to make profit off the people, but just to do these services to have equality of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, certainly getting mail, <laughs> you know, what's more what's I mean, that, like going back centuries, what's more equality of opportunity than just being able to get mail and letters and stuff, you know, like or literally basic being... to the functioning of a government, because yeah. what kind of government can't guarantee that it itself can't mail something to right. another government agency within the same government or to its people? Right, yeah, that's uh that's kind of a failed state uh thing, um, yeah. and then the last thing here, let's move on to COVID. The big news: mask mandates were lifted by the CDC. Um, there's been a lot of controversy because, granted, you know, it's not like we're fully vaccinated by any means, and there's a lot of people choosing not to do it. And now, when it's a more voluntary mask mandate, um, you know, obviously all these conservatives who hated masks all along, and uh, they're not going to wear masks. <laughs> And actually, a lot of stores are actually, uh, you know, get, you know, they would prefer people wear masks, but now they're moving back because, you know, conservatives are literally assaulting employees, you know, when being asked to like put on masks because they're private companies and can ask people to do what they want. Or, you know, you don't have to shop at a private company. Um, Yeah, well, that's like the conservative ideology, right? A private company can't be told to bake a cake for a gay couple for a wedding. Right. they, uh, <laughs> you know, they can't tell someone to wear a mask like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's really kind of amping uh, the anti-vax movement. And, you know, there's a little bit of thought of like, OK, I can understand that uh, people don't want to take a new vaccine. You know, it, it, they rushed it. You know, they got emergency authorization. They crammed in a lot of granted. There's been a lot of trials for covid because obviously millions and millions of people have had it. Uh, So, you know, definitely the CDC is monitoring everything. But, you know, the people who say, well, I don't trust the vaccine, you know, because of the, you know, the small side effects that come with the vaccine and anytime you're going to vaccinate millions of people, it's just a a statistical thing that some random people are going to have fluke like, you know, reactions or symptoms or have their own fluke. You know biological aspects something that a lot of people don't know and they should just google the law of big numbers and basically what that means is you know with a big enough number every probability no matter how small right with some exceptions is going to happen probably multiple times but it's bad thinking it's bad forecasting because we know the effects of covid and they are way worse than the vaccine and way more plentiful and you're you know way more likely to die From getting COVID than you are to get some kind of non-lethal but some you know but not negligible reaction to the vaccine. So it's really kind of stupid thinking. Uh, Well, another thing, and I hear this all the time from people who say, "Oh, you know, I'm not sheep. I'm not going to do something just because other people are doing it." It's like, at what point do you become a coward? Because there's like 150 (laughs) million people in this country alone who have been guinea pigs before you, and they're fine. Like. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't (laughs) think the risk is that big when 150 million people are still doing it. (laughs) Yeah. And this is something it's at least not now, because the vaccine is kind of like open for like any adult over 12 who wants it basically at this point, because now we're having like surpluses and, you know, people are, you know, some states are getting desperate. Even like Ohio is offering lottery amounts of money to uh, get vaccinated, you know, be eligible to win a lottery. Um, But it is nice, at least, that finally we're getting to the point that if you want a vaccine, you can have one. So all of the people who are refusing to wear masks now are really, you know, we're getting close to the point where they're only going to be impacting themselves and not other people (laughs) who don't want to get COVID, which I guess is nice. But, you know, it's like it's that anti-science element of American culture where it's like, you know, if. If people who refuse to wear masks and don't want to get vaccinated and don't trust scientists or medical doctors, you know, who actually went to school and studied viro- virology for decades, you know, like at a certain point, um, not to sound cruel and cold, but at a certain point, there's diminishing returns of sympathy, right, for people yeah. who then get COVID and die <laughs> being militantly uh Ignorant and being militantly oppositional to all of these government well meaning efforts to protect them and save them from a deadly virus, you know, my sympathy gets less and less as the weeks go on, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, certainly you wouldn't feel tremendously bad about someone who played Russian roulette with themselves for 10 hours straight, (laughs) right? And like, you know, shot themselves. So, like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good term for it. Diminishing returns of sympathy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like at least this is finally like anti-science stuff that only affects them. And granted, there's still people who can't get the vaccine, young people. You know, I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, every I hope everyone can get vaccinated. But it would be nice if we get into that like Venn diagram of all the people affected by it are just the people who refuse to listen to experts. Because it's so weird that both the vaccines and mask wearing have become politicized issues. But we've had bad political leaders and Donald Trump was a uh, maybe the very worst person and the very worst time to have to deal with this COVID mess. Right. Like mm-hmm. if there was one person that you did not want to be in control of the governmental national response to a pandemic like Donald Trump, you know, uh, you know, famed narcissist and uh, reality television show host, <laughs> you know, it's like, you um, but, you know anti-vax goes back to like 1918 you had a lot of the same arguments you know there's people now who don't want to do uh, measles and whooping cough because they're morons and think oh whooping cough's not around so we don't need the vaccine anymore <laughs> it's like that's a uh, very bad scientific uh, awareness <laughs> and knowledge and obviously, the big one's climate well, change. Well, another funny thing, too, is you look at that, like, look at the pro-life people. You know, if you don't get vaccinated, you are literally putting children, unvaccinated children who cannot get the vaccine at all or up to that right. point, at tremendous risk of getting a treatable disease that might kill them just because you don't right. want to have a sore arm for a couple hours. Yeah. And that's interesting because you want, because you're pro-life, the government to force people not to kill fetuses right and obviously there's a whole giant school of thought you know about you know being pro-choice for a million reasons and stuff but it's just taking their logic that the government needs to intervene to protect life but then being against vaccines when it's the same thing where the government like we would think if they were like logically consistent they would want the government to force people to be vaccinated to protect kids from these you know preventable diseases but <laughs> you know <laughs> there's a there's a disconnect in the logic there right Well, there's something to experience because people always comment on like, imagine going back to Franklin Roosevelt (laughs) who got polio as an adult and, uh, you know, lost the ability to really walk. And you, if you went back in time and said, hey, in the future, we have polio vaccines, but you shouldn't get them because you shouldn't be a sheeple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. And right. you showed him what would happen to him. Like I, don't, I mean, the whole idea, it's like going back before, like, germ theory and how, how, like, everyone who went under, like, the surgeon's knife had a very high chance of dying. And you said, don't be sheeple. Don't believe in germs. Like we're just going to keep using the same knife for every sir. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Right. Right. And I mean, these are extreme examples. But I mean, we live in extreme times of extreme stupidity. And then the uh, ultimate example of the anti-science, anti-expert kind of facade of our politics is the uh, obstinacy to climate change uh, acknowledgments. And so this is something, you know, it's like when you're really just fucking over the world, like the people who coal roll and like, you know, make their trucks just spew smoke. And now it's like a political thing to eat burgers because people erroneously believe Joe Biden doesn't want you to eat any meat (laughs) and they think Democrats want to outlaw all red beef and stuff. It's just, you know, it gets to a point like. Obviously, calling people <laughs> idiots to their face does not help motivate them or convince them to take climate change seriously and come over to your viewpoint. But at what point of militant ignorance and just total obstinacy for no reason does it become okay to call people morons? Like At a certain point, well, yeah. like how many decades <laughs> of not solving problems do we have to deal with where You know you can just call people idiots and people say well that's not helping solve the problem it's been like 50 years of climate change denial and stuff right like going into the 90s where we started having every summer break the record for hottest (laughs) summer on record you know it's like after 50 years can we just say you're a fucking idiot and you know your opinion no longer should even be heard in the media (laughs) right well i mean there's like extreme examples and something I, i i always think about so i took this like uh history and politics of Africa uh, class in undergrad. And it was taught by this uh, pretty famous uh, public intellectual named Ali Mazri. And like, I just remember in one of our classes, he was showing us this video of like some like uh, post-colonial like presidents of these African countries who were like doing everything they could imaginable to try to get their people. And, you know, they were personally, you know, in, you know, agricultural farm fields, trying to teach people with experts how to farm better and how to use like, you know, imported technology. And like, we need to increase farm yields. And I just remember this video of this, like he's like literally the president of a country screaming at these people, calling them fucking idiots and stuff and expletives (laughs) because they're not doing like what he and other experts are showing them and it's like like imagine an American president doing that at like a town hall saying, you fucking idiots like <laughs> I mean I always think about it because it's so funny because it's like these people I mean you know they didn't know any better but it was just the it was such a funny image of a president literally screaming had right. his own people calling them fucking idiots for holding the country back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's, yeah. I mean, but Joe what, Biden maybe shouldn't the be the guy doing that, but like, right. <laughs> you know, maybe but we Ron have the equivalent Klein with, screaming. <laughs> we totally have the equivalent, though, of Republicans just constantly saying radical socialists and communists and yeah. baby blood drinkers. Like, you know, th- that equivalent already exists, you know. Can Democrats call Republicans idiots if Republicans have spent decades just saying that Democrats are complete communists and want to kill all babies and eat them and wait at hospitals with pitchforks to, you know, kill every baby that survives an abortion? Like, at what point can we just start, you know, you know, isn't calling someone an idiot a little bit better than calling them like a uh, anti-Semitic, you know, Sharia law loving Koran swearing on (laughs) baby killing socialist? you know anyway (laughs) well i guess we're at an hour and a half that's a good point to uh to call it a day um check out my book satire in the trump years the best of the halfway post great coffee table book great read i highly endorse it i did write it um thanks for listening to brain milk everybody i'm dash mcintyre i'm adrian pope and enjoy the guitar solo